Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Social Justice Matters, the podcast from Social Justice Ireland. My name is Suzanne Rogers and I'm Research and Policy Analyst with Social Justice Ireland. We release our podcasts in three different formats. We have our 10-minute lesson series where it does exactly what you think it's going to do, takes a particular area of policy and just really runs over the key points that we think people should need to know within that short period of time, 8 to 12 minutes. We have our seminar series where we get the chance to listen back to presentations we've had at previous events. And we have our interview series where we get to chat to experts on their area of expertise. And this week, I'm delighted to be joined by Valerie McAloran Bourne. She is Integration Officer with Fingal County Council, which is a suburb, what used to be a suburb of Dublin. And it's now a county in its own right, just simply due to the, the size of the population growth over the last 30 or 40 years. So she chats to me, I suppose, about what integration means from a local authority point of view and the differences that it can make in what is actually a really, really diverse community here in Fingal. If you are local, Fingal Inclusion Week begins next Monday, Monday the 13th of November 2023. Obviously, if you're listening to this at a completely different time, this won't be of any use to you at all, but I will put a link in the notes in case. I'm also going to include a link in the notes to the INO report that we reference in the conversation. I think it's it's a it's an important read. We hope you enjoy this conversation. I think Valerie is fascinating and the job she does is fascinating. It's a huge remit. And she's really dedicated to the job she does. We hope you enjoy. Firstly, Valerie, as always, thank you so much for your time. I know you're a very busy lady. We've literally just been chatting about the amount of programmes that your department runs. So, you know, I know time is of the essence. Your job, I suppose, I just find fascinating. So you are the integration officer at Fingal County Council. So can you just give us a flavour maybe of what that entails? I suppose it's, it's, it's quite a broad range. Okay, so there's another number of elements to it. First of all, my remit is for, it's county-wide remit, and it's also across the whole organisation. Okay, so I work out of the Community Development Office under Housing and Community, but as I said, I have the brief of, of the whole organisation and of the county, county-wide brief. So I start with the Fingal Migrant Integration and Social Cohesion Strategy, because that's the very, I suppose, my main piece of work. And that strategy was developed uh, in 2018 through to 2019, and it rolls then until 2024, the end of next year. Um, And in that, there is a series of actions that are, I suppose, to be delivered during that period. And there's a lot of actions in there. And it's not in line completely with the national strategy, but there would be a lot of actions in it that would, would match you know, um, and then there's some that are uh, Fingal specific. So what we have to do then, of course, is take, you know, bite-sized chunks of that. So every year I would develop an action plan with internal pillars. So who are the internal pillars? Just to, you know, I hate using words that, you know, that what what is that? So the pillars basically are are, uh, departmental leads under the various headings. So you have uh, culture and racism, which come under the Community uh, Development Office. You have housing, which speaks for itself, you have communications, you have corporate, which deals with the public sector duty piece, and then you have enterprise. So under all those pillars, they would have, I would support them to pick five actions each uh, that they would deliver within that year. And then we have bi-monthly meetings to roll those actions forward and to progress them. So when each, at each meeting, they have to 
come back with an update on where they are at that particular time. So say, for instance, uh, we had, uh, say at the beginning, we had one in relation to um, uh, interpreting and translation. So um, so you would have, say, and they were rolled into one. So that Fingal would provide those services for people coming in to ask about you know, services uh, for themselves. So you would, we needed to set up a framework for those. Um, and the first thing we decided after discussion was that really at the end of the day, it's it's two separate pieces. Um, translation of uh, of documents, and then you have interpreting services. So they are two separate. So we had, first thing we did was separate them. And now what we have, we have actually a framework. Uh, there's a tender process happening as we speak for both of those. That took about a year to actually push forward because we have we also have to align with the national frameworks. And then we also have to look at what is the needs in the organisation. So obviously interpreting is a little bit easier because if someone come into the CCU, the customer service unit, um, and they're in need of, uh, of a service. There was also another piece in the strategy which asked for you know a voluntary service in-house. But when we looked at that a little bit further, you realise that, you know what, you can't have something like that because while you might have a language uh, assets in the building, we've 1,700 staff nearly now, and people are moving all of the time from different departments. Somebody could be in swords, somebody might be on somebody might be on holidays, and that person is down, say as a Polish interpreter. So it really is not realistic to create that expectation and also the boundaries and training that is required around that. So so now we have the framework and the tender processes being currently run. And then with the translation, we have that we actually have that in place now. We have a, a contract for that. But what we also realise there as well is that you know you while we can have all of the languages online on our website um, and we have that now as well we have a tool that we have engaged for the website which is called insight it's an accessibility tool that has i think upwards to 60 different languages on it that you can change the the content into you can also make it bigger uh, you can have an audio it isn't just about i suppose the integration piece it's also about accessibility uh, there so that's that's in there now and we've also done we've just recently just done a, a review of our website as well just to make it as accessible as possible nala who used to do the uh, reviews in terms of documents and views of, of you know publications are no longer doing that so we had uh, had to outsource that translations just going back just very quickly to that just to say to you that you can't have all documents you can have them online in, in, in you know, obviously on your, your reading publications, but forms um, and so on, they need to remain in English. And you probably ask me, why is that? And I've asked that question, why, why, so when we had that discussion, why, why is that? It's because the staff who read and interpret the document, so say if you're making a housing application, just for an example, um, and it's in Polish, but we have no staff to read that in Polish. So unfortunately, all applications must be made in English so that staff at present can read those and process them as quickly as possible on behalf of the applicant. Now, there's support available for, for interpreting services in order to do that process. So this is what I'm saying. So it isn't just about, sometimes it just seems very simple on, on, the, on the code base, but it's not. So look, that's just a very simple example. We have now as well in the libraries, we have a system called Note. And that has the ability to, 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 I think it's 30 languages. So you would have publications, you know, uh, on resources in 
30 different languages and the machine itself actually works in the 30 different languages as well. So depending on where you're from, you can order your books in those languages. So I, I just think that's really great. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. It, 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 you're not just translating, you are actually getting your publication in that language. So that's, that, that, that'd be one, the public sector duty piece really too, I would have developed using uh, the, that we got funding from IREC, the Irish Human Rights and Equality Commission, to develop a piece of training uh, for staff. So I spent about a year and a half uh, working on that with the Immigrant Council of Ireland. And looking at, I suppose it was around, you know, the intercultural piece, the diversity piece, but also the public duty, public sector duty. And um, people ask me, like, what, what, what is public sector duty? It's our duty as public servants to deliver services to our customers, you know, in a respectful, in, in a respectful way, regardless of where they come from and, and their needs. But with that in mind as well, you know, just to make people aware, you know, I mean, particularly um, Article uh, or Section Forty Two, that would be very relevant to us we ran pilots you know it was it was supposed to be two separate pieces of training one for senior management one frontline staff uh having having rolled out a couple of pilots we realized that actually it needs to be one course one full day um, and then COVID hit us and we ended up having to try and work it online so we, we did that as well and then at the start of 2021 that became uh required training another question people ask me is why you know, it's like um, you have to do it, you know, and it is required by all staff to do it. There's people like that in the community who will attend training courses. You know, you'll find that people who are very interested in that particular area and are not adverse to it will actually go to these training. But, you know, people maybe that are a little bit more reluctant, you know, and maybe have a different point of view, be less likely to go to that training. So it's required training for that reason. You know that um, everybody must complete it. Everybody, because I, I love one particular piece of that training is around uh, your uh, unconscious bias. You know, and I suppose when people realise that actually sometimes the thoughts in their head aren't unusual. You know that we have our preconceived ideas from our brains. It's then that they realise. You know, actually, it's what comes out of the mouth that matters really. You know, not necessarily what's going up on up here. And, you know, there is, you know, a fear, you know, that I might say the wrong thing. And I just say to people, well, I don't know everything and nor am I ever going to. But if I'm respectful and I ask a question, then I'm not going to offend. It's when we deliberately say something yeah. and that becomes an issue. Yeah. So it's just a very small piece of my work. I'm at, in the, at the moment, I'm also de- de- developing and I have been uh, working with uh, Limerick University, Juris, the Immigrant Council of Ireland and RNR um, on a EU commission project as well. It's called Salam and it's a piece around anti-Muslim hatred. So there's four phases to that. The first was sort of getting that into the local authority in terms of uh, using us as a case study. So tick that box. And then the second phase then was around the consultation process. Uh, so we did that last year with staff. I like like when I was running the pilots for the intercultural uh, diversity and public sector duty training. I take a sample not just from say community. So we've uh, a cohort of staff from the community, one from our selection, and um, uh, from the CCU, which is customer service unit, because they're the cold base. Libraries also a cold base. Community too, and then you have housing. So we have them across the board. So they participated. They were asked to participate. You know, they weren't. You know, they were told they were participating. They were asked who would like to participate. And given given the background, I did a presentation to them, and then they came back with people. I'd love to be a part of that. So basically, it was asking them, you know, their experience of interacting with 
particular members of the community and their view on that and what policies were in place from Fingal, you know, they feel that they were supported, did they feel they were trained, you know, all that sort of stuff. And the, the rationale behind that then was to uh, develop an anti-racism piece of training that used the anti-Muslim hatred piece as a case study, but that it could be rolled out any, any section of of, the, of society. It didn't really matter. Do you know what, what culture, what diversity, what, what, what uh, level of diversity? So, so, so that was that. We ran a pilot in September. There was two local authorities that took part in that. And basically, we are now at the final draft. So we're hoping then from January that that final draft be ready. And that will also become a required piece of training for our staff. So um, that's really relevant because, and I was delighted to have some feedback, the community development officers had a meeting there, their last meeting, and the feedback that they gave to that meeting was that they found it really useful, a piece. So I got a message back to say, okay, from the other staff that weren't part of that, um, you know, the part of the, the case study group, if you like. God, when, when is that coming out? We, we want to do it, you know. So that's great to hear. But we need to have it right before we, we deliver it. And as I said, I'm, we're hoping that we'll have that finalised in January. There's another piece to that as well as if we're under reporting of racism. And um, I'm working with INR. Um, and as part of that project, but I'm working specifically with INR on that. And that in there, we will have a reporting piece on our website as to how, why, where, you know, and what, you know, where you go, basically, signposting, which is which is really necessary. And we're hoping then that that would be a transferable piece to the other church tree or the other church two local authorities. So, so that's, that's a really interesting project. And then the last phase, really, well, the, the website, the web piece is part of phase four, but also then an awareness campaign across the country. So, um, so it's been really that's been a really interesting, really interesting project in terms of the you know the the, the breadth of it. I also roll out three, sorry, four SLAs. We have one for the Fingal Integration Forum, the one one for Fingal Ethnic Network. We have one for Dublin Pride and the Irish Republic. So, as part of those serve level agreement, I would look at the the micro strategy and I would pick out a couple of areas that we could work together on, specifically my team with that organisation for the year. So we have, just to give you a few examples, uh, we did a voter registration booklet in a couple of different languages with the Fingal Integration Forum. Uh, Fingal Ethnic, Ethnic Network were very invested in the actual development of the, the migrant strategy um, and they work across the board uh, with us on lots of stuff. It's, 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 it's great because, you know, you have a go-to and you've so many fingers then out into the community, in the, in, into the different communities. The Irish Traveller Movement uh, this year between this year and last year, we've worked on a couple of programmes. One I'm hoping to launch now in December. It is a really interesting one. Um, it's the step-by-step guide to organisations becoming actively anti-racist. So basically, it's a step-by-step. So literally, you know, from the what do you do, step one, you know, you do a consultation, you know, in-house. Step two, you know, that kind of way. So steps you all the way up to developing a, um, an anti-racist policy for your for your organisation and then you you know you can create a committee you you know you ask the question how how diverse is our organisation how do we report so you're literally covering all corners so as I said it's a guide so everybody's different but it yeah. will give you the roadmap 
how much to set you in there. Now, I was delighted. We're wor working with them, the Immigrant Council of Ireland and the Irish Traffic Movement, as I said. And we based it on, loosely, you know, on the Yellow Flag programme because Fingal funds the Fingal schools for the Yellow Flag programme. And I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's, it is rolled out by the, the Irish Traveller movement, but it's not just for travellers. It's for, it's, it's an anti-racism piece. So it's, it, it's cuts, it cuts across all boundaries and all, all cultures. What I love about it is that it doesn't just roll out in the school. It comes out into the community, into the families that those children live with, you know, are living, living with. It has that reach. Uh, which which is really lovely. So Fingal would fund three schools a year for that because there is a process to it and it costs three thousand per school to actually go through that through the process. Dublin Pride, um, we have uh, rolled out. There's a, a national gallery exhibition called Journey of Pride. We've rolled that out in a couple of areas across Fingal. We have also raised Pride Quilt and we have a lot of initiatives during Dublin Pride Month, whether it's the DEIB, the Dignity and Equality in the Workplace. And we also have, you know, nice ones like the Journey of Pride, Letters and Stripes, you know, so we roll them out in the community, but also for staff as well. We've developed an LGBT committee in-house in Fingal as well. That, that was lovely because that's not something you really just... You know, bluntly ask. As we had the events, we invited people to come along and be a champion. And um, so it's great because we have somebody then to, you know, it was great us coming up with the ideas the first year or so. But then after that, was better if it comes from the community directly. We have we we also because the winter time is an isolating time for everybody, but particularly uh, the LGBT community. Because if you have come out and you're isolated from your family as well, you know, I mean, just because you know it is more open you know in the in the time that we live in doesn't mean that everybody's open to it and so when people do come out and um, sometimes not received very well and families can become separated yeah so so dur during um during the winter we have a thing called winter pride so that aims to support people during that time when it's dark and it's you know it's a little bit more isolating so we would have events like lgbt's as in a cup of tea, um, in a couple of community centres. We have we have some talks and then just some space where people can come as part of maybe wider events. So, so this year we have a really sort of big event in, it's called the Mahudard Winter Fest, but it's a Fingal Winter Pride initiative. And as part of that, we'll have uh, Dublin Pride will be there and they will be giving out support information for anybody that, whether it's a family or it's a you know, friend or somebody that has a young person or it is a young person, you know, that wants to come and have a chat and has some questions. So so that's the, I suppose, the, the LGBT piece. Um, I look after Africa Day as well. So I would make uh, applications to the Department of Foreign Affairs for um, for funding for that events in the events in May. So this year we had three events. I normally would have two or three events across the board, but then we'd also encourage other organisations and groups, you know, to, to tag in with those. So while we might have one event, we would have a lot of the African community from across that particular area and thing God. So I, I try and make it as fair as possible because great every area kind of gets to you know sort of participate. So we would maybe do jump fifty in one of swords, sort of that area and around there and then we do Balbriggan up there. So uh, the African Advocacy Network hosted an event this year alongside the African community in Balbriggan. And then Lusk Cultural Centre, they hosted uh, with the Redeemed Church in Lusk. 
fanta- absolutely fantastic events, you know, really amazing, you know, um, full of uh, colour and music. But we, we also support like India Day and, you know, any other cultures that want to, us to, you know, to support them to celebrate. Absolutely. You know, we would do St. Patrick's Day as well in Fingal. So it should be it should be for everybody. I also support groups to apply for the integration funding that comes about every year. It's usually between two and two thousand five thousand to look at their application. And um, I'll often review their applications or, and, and work with them to sort of help them to structure it um, so that it would be maybe received in a very sort of uh, cohesive way. Voter registration, we support the hard to reach to, 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 to look at that too. I work with the corporate department here in Fingal who host the voting process or the election processes. We would go out into the areas. So this is not, and, and a lot of it has changed now because it used to be the end of November, you had to have them in, but now it's it's all changed and it's all like you can scan the code, you can see, you know, straight away if you're registered, if you're not, and then you're, who can vote? That's really important. So we have rolled out uh, understanding. We actually just finished it there last Monday. Understanding local government in Fingals. We did them online with See Her Elected. And that really looked at, the you know, literally the roles of councillors, the chief executive, the levels in Fingal. What does Fingal do? Where does the funding come from? Things that people w- would like to know. We also, we've got this month, actually, we've done that. We've done the introduction to politics as well and actually done the voting system. We had an election and uh, people participated in that. I don't know if you know, there's the up- upcoming referendum on the on women's place in the home. So as part of that, then we also brought that out. We brought the Women's Council out and we did a whole piece around and a discussion around what people what does that mean? Because it's three sections. I think it's Article 4.1, 4.2, 4.3 that are being looked at. And part of that is around quality of gender, gender quality. So there's a, there's a couple of different levels. And what we're hoping is that, you know, that won't be put together with the, the local elections next year because, you know, it might get a bit lost. That maybe that there will be a separate piece around it, you know. But for women to be able to look at that and to be able to, to understand that, you know, in the con- in the context, the Irish context, I suppose, because a lot of women that would participate in the work that I do would be maybe not indigenous to Ireland. You know, they would be from another another culture, and sometimes we bring you know yeah. our knowledge with us. So it, it's good to gather what we have here. Mm-hmm. Um, and the voter registration workshops, we literally have run them all around the county. We had one last Monday there in Balbriggan to look at again, you know, what 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 your entitlements are. Um, and now you can actually register at 16 and 17. Now you're not ready to vote, but literally from the day you turn 18, you have the entitlement. So you're ready to go. So you're not getting to 18 and then registering. You're registering at that stage. And then you're initially if something comes up, you can vote in straight away. You know, so that's that we've moved along in, in terms of that process quite Quite a lot in the last number of years. Uh, you don't need to get you don't need to get guard to sign off on your on your application either, which is another big thing for people. You know, I worked with the Immigrant Council of Ireland as well, and again in September, and um, tried to talk. But I suppose maybe a little bit more recent. We did a library of migrant women exhibition in Blanchetown Library. Now I'm going to be rolling out again as part of Fingal Inclusion Week in Balbriggan, but that was basically eleven stories from migrant women coming to Ireland. So from their their homeland, the story of their homeland, and then the journey to Ireland, and then their current lives in Ireland and what does that mean to them? 
you know, and the work that they're, that they're doing. And you might perceive that, you know, it's it's refugees or it's, and, and that's what a lot of people perceive that to be when they when they hear about it first. When they hear the word migrant, of course, people automatically think of refugee. But it's women who, like that, some people came, you know, um, as, as a, a refugee, but some people came by choice. And it's just that range of stories, the education, the work that they're doing in terms of social justice um, and community development is amazing. And I think that's, uh, it's a really important piece to get out there that not everybody is, that that, that message, the negative message around uh, refugees at the moment is take, take. Yeah. But in actual fact, people forget the value and the ideas, that new ideas that people are bringing with them. Um, so I think that's really important. So we did that as part, we did that exhibition and I said about the role, yeah, we did that as part of uh, Migrant and Refugee at the International Day uh, for that. So do you have any, because I can keep talking about my work. I, I, literally... I, I have tons of, I suppose, kind of questions or comments because I, I'm, I'm jotting things down here as you're, as you're talking. I had pulled up some stats now for, I think it was the Fingal Chamber of Commerce. One in every six Fingal resident is a non-Irish national. So we're up to about 25% of the population of the county has an ethnicity other than white Irish. So as you said, when you're looking at the national strategies and then trying to make it Fingal specific, that is so important. Now, I don't have a basis for this, but somebody told me that in Fingal, we have about 80 different nationalities. The UN has 193 member states. We're not doing too badly. So like 80 different, like that is extraordinary. And I suppose I'm so conscious what you were saying, like there's a strength that comes from diversity that oh, that, that can only be brought in that way. And even just th that last point you made about not every migrant is a refugee or is an asylum seeker. I also live in Fingal, which I think is why I find it's very interesting because it's such a diverse county when you look at the socioeconomics of it. You've got pockets of huge wealth. You've got pockets of deprivation. So we run the gamut. You've got urban centres. You've got really rural villages, which you don't think of when you think of Fingal. It's a very young county, huge population under, under, sort of, under 15, under 24, but it's the it's the ethnic diversity of it and the fact that Fingal is such a new county as well. Like when we were children, this genuinely was our fields, you know. <laughs> like the you know, Fingal didn't didn't exist. It was different. It was a different local authority. It was, yeah. it was Dublin, Dublin Corporation. Corporation. Yeah. Dublin yeah. City. When I think back to the, the, the children that my, my child goes to school with, probably I would say it would be nearer 80 or 90 percent of his classmates would be from a non-white Irish background. They are international banking, they are health, so they are surgeons and doctors and nurses, they are the multilingual staff who are in tech. It's expanding out, you said, that conversation of what people are bringing with them. It's that diversity piece, I think, in Fingo, which I just find so fascinating. And I think that's why your job is so vital. I'm very lucky in, in a lot of ways in that the team that I lead, um, I mean, it's only myself and an administrator. I am so lucky because I work out of the community development office, you know, and I suppose Fingal is unique in that way, in that, you know, you have an integration team, you know, with that focus and we have our strategy in place. And I, I'm very lucky to be able to lead on that. But across the board, we have geo teams. When I do pieces of work, like the ones I did in Balbriggan there last week, I would have tagged in with the Balbriggan Community Development Officer on those. You know, so, I mean, because they're on the ground, they're working with those communities, can get those bodies into the room. 
to to the pieces of work that we need to do because to me integration right it's a word you know i mean and it's a word that's used very readily but i can't tell people that they're uh you know they're to integrate you know just that's just not possible so what i do is i provide a space and a and a topic or a, a reason for people to come together and when when you come together like that you create that communication the the opportunity for people then to have a conversation so we, if you're sitting in a room you know and this is what i love like i sit in there in the morning and it's this whole conversation about the referendum but it's people then start talking about their own perspective on it and that's when you learn about the other cultures what what way it will work for them in that particular place where they're from and then it becomes an understanding and then people start talking about families, children, and you find out that actually, you know, we're kind of all the same. You know, we might have a different take on something and that's fine because everybody does and that's okay. By creating the spaces, that's when we do the learning. It could be coming together with, you know, women's group. It could be coming together with men's shed. It could be, you know, any sort of older person because we literally have older people, young people, you have the Coral uh, and Oak, I mean, they're the voice across Fingal for young people. You have the Older People's Council, you have age-friendly, you know, and, and community development that are core. I think that's that's the important piece. It's been on the ground, it's been, you know, in communities, it's creating spaces for those conversations and the rest will come in time because it does take a little bit of time. Yeah, but I think for me, you've hit on such a key point there that integration sometimes what we actually mean as you said without our subconscious what we're actually looking for is assimilation what we're actually looking for is to for people to come and to change their way of dress change their diet change their change you know all just all the cultural values that somebody brings with them from wherever they go like i've been reading a, a voluntary national reviews from other countries so the sustainable development goals they report into the un and I was reading one there recently and I was looking at the gender equality piece and they had done some straw polls. And I can't I can't think of the percentages off the top of my head, but they were quite high. X amount of women over a certain age think it's lawful for a husband to beat his wife. And then a certain amount of women under a certain age agreed that it was lawful for a husband to beat his wife. So it, the, the percentages, I think, for the younger women were, were lower. So there was maybe a gradual shift. But in that country, the culture would be that that was OK. And again, it talked about punishing children and the moves that they're trying to make to to shift the thinking on that. So that's the cultural norm. So if I travel to that country and that country asks me to integrate and that country asks me to assimilate, there are values that I would find quite difficult <laughs> to get on board with. So, you know, I, I just kind of conscious of that, that there can be, it's the cultural values that a society holds that we are looking. I do sometimes wonder, are, is what we're actually asking for assimilation? And as you said, it's so important then, I can't tell you that you must integrate. I can't make you integrate. We have to allow people to be who they are. By creating the space, you do create an understanding of what is Irish, you know, because like that, if you if you step outside Ireland and people ask what what is it to be Irish, first thing is St. Patrick's Day, you know, probably alcohol somewhere in there. 
they're river downs. People, exception, and you come to Ireland, you know, and everybody loves Guinness. Do they? No. Yeah. Drink tea? No. They're just, you know, they're perceptions that we have. We, we and it's, it, it's, a, it's a human, it's a human thing, you know, that we try to categorize people. We just do it. It's part mm. of our how our brain works in order to understand other cultures. You know, when we have the space. You know, it's good to do that. Like, I mean, we we have run the, we work very closely with Akidwa. I don't know if you heard of Akidwa. Yeah. They're um, a group of women that came together like that to support uh, women from uh, the African continent. And that's branched out now, obviously, to, 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 to other nationalities now as well. I mean, I wanted to do a piece of work around the, the UN Sustainable Goals. And we hosted those workshops in, again, across Fingal. Um, but the conversations... You know, and the learning in that, like what is normal for me, and even from Africa has fifty five different countries in it, and it's vast. And even from one side of Nigeria to another side of Nigeria, you know, the the, the differences in terms of uh, how women are treated is is just unbelievable, and that comes out. I'm not going to go into individual stories, but when you hear the stories, you know, it is it's very stark. It's just really bring it home to. Uh, to an understanding that, you know, there's a lot of women here as lone parents and that made me understand why that yeah. is. So I, I won't say any more about that, but, you know, it does bring about an understanding. But I think that, that the sustainable goals are really important. And I know there's a whole piece around climate action, but, but for communities, depending on where you are at, each of those sustainable goals will have a different meaning, you know. Just to say to you as well, you know, um, we did very... I suppose invested in the anti-racism piece and we ran a competition back in March within the schools uh, of the yellow flag schools across the country actually but uh, specific to, to Fingal obviously because we're in Fingal and we got 178 entries which we were blown away with and you know if we got a first second third prize that was fine and I was thinking about you know I was like I can't just put this stuff away you know, it's just I can't because I was really, you know, uh, blown away with the with, you know, some of the stuff that we got. Not that you've seen it before, but you know, you could kind of get it. Mm. Some of the stuff was very new, you know. And I thought, gosh, you know, that's really some people have really thought that what we've done is we've pulled that together into an exhibition, and we're launching that now. That's actually launching Fingal Inclusion Week for us, um, and it, it'll be out in Lux Cultural Centre for two weeks. But it is fantastic. Just lovely, lovely piece around the visual. Because the question was, visually, you know, in terms of of an art piece, what does anti-racism mean to you? It's, it's just to see what came back is just, it's just great. To talk a little bit as well about Fingal Inclusion Week, because I think that's another really important piece for local authority, particularly Fingal. We really embrace it. Um, we've run it now. This is uh, the fourth year in, in, in rolling it out. Um, and, and year on year, more and more people coming on board. We did a launch with there back in September for it's kind of like a networking event for all the people who are, are actually taking part. Now we this year we started off thought you know when we even, even when we got to uh, just before the the networking event and uh, we had I think we had about seventy and then we have over ninety uh, this year participating. So across the board you'd have like that the likes of the the anti racism the art across cultures uh, exhibition, but you will have the sanctuary runners are going to 
been there as well and they they actually have uh, been in touch with me so many times around engaging with uh, migrant and refugee communities you know looking to sort of really welcome people in and they have grown that group uh, with that in mind we have older people have the um, showcases from their organizations and what I love about inclusion week is is that people open their doors on that uh, on that week they may be you know, struggling in terms of numbers or they may be that, you know, they don't feel that they're diverse enough and they love to invite more people in. And it's a great week to do something because or tend something because you aren't the only one turning up on your own. You know, the way you might say, oh, I'd like to talk to that now, but, you know, I don't want the spotlight to be on me, you know, because it's an open evening or a showcase. Lots of people are there. So if you don't like it, you can just go off again, you know, but it's 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 really an interesting week it's a good week for you to try out that, that that sort of job but it really highlights I think exclusion that's what the week is all about and it's really just my job is to try and break down the barriers and open up as many groups and organizations as possible and we have a huge amount of activities and events across that week aimed really at pulling people in letting people see what's happening in their communities and again providing the space as I said earlier on for that interaction. That interaction, that's vital, isn't it? Because when you and me meet and we look each other in the eye and we tell our stories, I'm no longer this scary other. I, you know, I'm not what you thought I was. And I think that that's so important. Like when you were talking about the 11 women who put their stories in that exhibition about where they've come from, their journey here, why they're here. I would be 99.999% sure that none of them said we came to Ireland because of the benefit system. I would imagine that they said we we came to Ireland because a, we had to leave our home. I wanted somewhere safe and secure and stable for my family to thrive, for my children to get an education, for my daughters to get an education, something that we take for granted. I would guess, without going down to the library, which I will have to do, I would guess that that's the type of story that was being told that it's women who were, were forced to leave their homes and try to do the best that they possibly could for their family. And that at no stage did they ever say, hmm, okay, yeah, Ireland, there was even a piece on the news last night looking at the different benefit payments across Europe for um, people coming from Ukraine. And I went, oh, I don't think I like where this is going because that's not why people go to a specific country. If the tanks were to roll down through swords main street or blanchardstown village tomorrow where would you and i go we would try and say okay we've got family in mayo or antrim or birmingham we would go to maybe where we had family supports we would go to the places that we would be able to get to so i just think it's that it's the story and it's people meeting other people as individuals but just to also pick up on the piece with the INAR and the reporting of racism I know when they do their annual reports, they make for quite disturbing reading in the sense of the the amount of incidents that take place versus the recording of those incidents that take place. And then the, even in terms of, of what happens with those recordings. So I just think that's that's hugely vital, that piece of work that you're doing. So I want to sort of applaud and congratulate you and celebrate that. Thank you very much for that. Um, but I do think myself that it is important. Not only does it, you know, need to be on the on the the Fingal website, um, but it also needs to be on the public realm in general. And as part of that step by step guide I was talking about earlier on, that actually the INR report link is actually linked to that document as well. So you get a, a sense of first of all what 
what a report, that report looks like and I suppose how many instances, that sort of stuff, the, the record piece of it, but also then the reporting. You know, how 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 do you go about reporting? Because a lot of people don't realise that. A very, very important piece of work too is go back to education and training. We roll out, uh, we work with the Irish Centre for Diversity. Um, and again, this year we have rolled out a couple of different workshops, particular master class in, in, in cultural awareness, inclusive language and bystander. Now, bystander for me was probably... Those others are really important, but this one was really important because a lot of people don't really don't know what to do. Mm. They don't know what to do. If I'm in a room or I happen upon somebody racially abusing somebody else, what do I do? There's some really practical stuff in there that will really help you to understand that you don't have to intervene. A lot of people think that, and I mean, I got this from, you know, from the participants that, you know, God, I, you know, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable. I'd be afraid to. You don't have to. Basically, you can do simple things like saying hello to the person mm-hmm. or saying hello to the person who's actually doing the abusing. Oh, hi, yeah. And it just, for that moment, it just stops it. And it can often actually change the course of that whole conversation. Sometimes, and, and there's some very practical, simple tips like that in there. Obviously, it goes into the, into the deeper piece too, um, but just gives people the tools, I suppose, to work with and takes the fear out of actually reporting it at all. There is that fear. You know, literally, our strategy is so big and I could talk about the housing element of it. And, you know, we, we have now, um, we have uh, uh, an anti-racism piece in as part of the tenant reduction, which has been part of the strategy work. Um, and, you know, it was one of the actions was also an open and transparent process. So all of the processes are now online on the Bingo website. And there's actually videos on how to make an application there as well, you know, to make it as easy and as transparent as possible. They're all actions that have been delivered on in the strategy. So we're working, we're working hard. That's from my end, I can I can say that, of course, there's always more to do. You know, it's not it's not where it's a journey. You know, uh, I don't know if we'll ever get to the destination. We'll actually get there, arrive, but we're certainly working, working on it and we're working to it. And it was very reassuring in the Budget 2024 expenditure report. I'm going to read it out here that there is a commitment to continue to fund 31 local authorities in the establishment of local authority integration teams to facilitate a multi-strand approach to accommodation, integration and supports, a human rights-based approach focusing on children's rights and integration on arrival in Ireland. So that was really reassuring to see it in Budget 2024 because I just think it's it's vital work in the Ireland of 2023. So I suppose I'll just say something about that. So my work would be a little bit different to that in that I my main role is the delivery of the strategy and obviously the, the community development piece around that. What I will say that the, the LAITs, the local authority integration teams that will be coming on board will be very specific to um, international protection and temporal protection refugees. Um, there will be a coordinator, two caseworkers and an administrator who will obviously, as 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 each case comes in, will uh, deliver that to the caseworkers. And, you know, it's a very much a service that's provi- that's going to be provided by the local authority. So it, it's, it's really good in some ways in that it can, there's a very clear signposting um, service within that will be held under the local authorities. However, it, I suppose what is it, it isn't is 
I'm the integration officer as it stands at the moment. Yes. So yeah. I suppose so that role the itself, wider community. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. a different I just yeah. wanted to be clear about yes. that. Yeah. I think my job now is going through rolled out in 31 other local authorities. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, it's not, uh, it's not it that, should I, be. not that I'm aware of. You know, so um so but it's a pleasure talking to you today. Um I really enjoyed the conversation and the opportunity to say a little bit about what I do. And if that helps and the understanding across the board, I'm happy enough to do that. And I, I probably didn't say this actually uh, earlier, like we have travel engagement, like positive engagement programs mm-hmm. as well that I work with in-house uh, to deliver on the ground. You want the positivity because there can be like that a negativity. What we want to promote is positive engagement. Um, so that going forward, we all feel like we're part of uh, and citizens of our, of our and equal citizens, I should say, of our, of our county. That's a perfect sentence to end it on. I think, Valerie, thank you so much. Take care. Thanks very much. Thank you. I hope you found this episode useful. If you have any ideas, any conversations you'd like us to have, please feel free to email us at secretary at socialjustice.ie with your ideas. Thank you.